0: Go ahead and be seated boy. And we've been kind of echoing that going through the first of the year that we stay focused tell your neighbors stay focused wake up come wake up right <laughs> stay warm well take out your Bibles if you would um, and I'll have you open to two places Romans chapter 12 verse 2 And then I'll go to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 5 through 8. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 8. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I've committed this year that I changed my Bible translation just for me to remain focused more in reading the Scripture. And I'm so glad that I went with this translation because there's an actual word that we're going to look at today, which is a Hebrew word. I did not see it uh, before through the message of Noah, the ministry of Noah. So today we're going to look at Noah. My title is By Faith Noah. We read that in the book of Hebrews. By Faith Noah. Now, don't tune out because we're going to talk about Noah's Ark, right? And because you grew up in Sunday school and they had the felt figurines and the two lambs and the snakes and everybody got on and everybody would don't tune out. We want to tune in to Noah because he's mentioned by faith Noah. So let me read Hebrews 12.2 out of the English Standard Version. It says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, looking to him. You know, one of Jesus' favorite methods in talking with it shouldn't even really be a method of him, it flowed out of him. In talking with people, he would say, well, what does the scriptures say? Well, he was having them recite what was said in the Old Testament. What do the scriptures say? That's a good word for all of us when we come up across challenging times. What do the scriptures say? So we're taking this year, in fact, we're going to go back into our Old Testament. And we're going to look at both men and women of God that were mentioned in Hebrews 11 and other one, others that didn't know Jesus yet. But by faith, they followed what God said to them. In fact, one of the verses we read last week, Romans 15:4, the Apostle Paul wrote this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Through the encouragement of the Scriptures, that we might have hope. That's why Jesus said, well, what did the scriptures say? Well, here's what they say. Well, then do that. What did the scriptures say? So Hebrews eleven seven 7 says this as we get into Noah. By faith, Noah, when he was warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God. By faith, Noah. You know, Jesus, you know, a lot of people will say, do you really believe that Noah and his ark? You know, the guy was, what was he, five or 600 years old, and he got all the animals in there? And he floated around for five months? Yeah, I believe it. Jesus believed it. Because Jesus said it in Matthew 24, 37, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. We'll look at that scripture in a little bit. Jesus believed it. You know, and as we read through here, people were living unaware of their times. But they were living a long time. You know, Adam lived 930 years. His one son, Seth, lived nine hundred and twelve, you know, two hundred, you'd still be a teenager. Happy birthday, two hundredth birthday, right? We've got the whole house on fire for you, two hundredth birthday. We read where Methuselah was nine hundred and sixty-nine years. In fact, his name meant when he goes, when he passes, it shall come. was talking about the flood Noah, when God speaks to him, is 500 years old. You know, and I always get asked that, how come they live so long? Well, God had created that body to live forever. Now, because fall, it's learning now how to die. In fact, God's going to stop the length of them living because here's what we see in the Bible. We only see that Enoch is recorded as walking with God. These guys live all the, We don't read anything that they did. Did they not do anything? What are you doing for 900 years? 900 years. Enoch walked with God. You know, we'll read that with Noah. Noah walked with God. You know, if you were born in the 1800s, you probably lived to be 35 years old. Right? There's, there's a whole different, whole different take on it. Justin, you're an old senior. No, you're not. Turn your birthday. But we see that in the Bible of them living. So I want us to look at where God is going to make a move in Genesis chapter six. In fact, if you're already there, turn with me, Genesis chapter six, and I'm going to look at verse five, and I will look at that call to Moses. You know, when God asks you to do something, um, He's not going to ask them to build the ark. And, for, and Noah's going to say, all right, come on, boys, get the plans out. You know, we built one last summer. We'll do it again. He, God just wants it a little larger. No, 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 this is something he's never done. But in uh, Genesis chapter 6 and in verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention Of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let that sink in for a minute. The Lord looks down upon man. Every intent of the heart, everything that they're thinking of is evil. The living Bible, if you have a living Bible, it says the core was rotten. Everything, they're they're perverting everything. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. For I am sorry that I have made man. Verse 8. But Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord looks down and he sees that earth, the amount of people that are there at the time, there's nothing but intense wickedness. And God has from heaven has to say, I'm sorry that I ever created them. Do you know, I have never thought that about my kids. I have never said, you know what? I'm sorry I even had you. But you know, there's people that hear that but for God to look down. And as these people live hundreds of years, you don't think Adam had testimony to pass off to his kids? Hey, the serpent, don't listen to him. Don't listen to lies. Follow God. Walk with God. You don't think that was passed down. But what was passed down didn't stay in the heart. The heart became wicked. And here's the thing. The heart can't change. Jesus is the one that changes hearts. God is the one that's going to be pointing it all to His Son Jesus to come, but their heart. You know, here's what you have to picture with the heart of God. God lost something so precious to Him, and it was mankind. That there's only one person that He can refer to on Earth that is walking with Him, and that's Noah. You know, I was reading. I was reading this week and some Bible scholars. They looked at the length that people were living. Some felt that there were probably around 2 million or so people that were living on the earth. Some thought it was in the billions. Because when they went back and looked at genealogy, these guys have 12 and 13 and 14 kids, right, with people. And so you start multiplying that out. I guess if you're 900 years old, you're going to have hundreds of kids, right? She's going to keep having kids around. So there's all these people, but there's only Noah, He's the only one? He's the only one that's walking with God? You know, his entire world around him is corrupt. But I love what 2 Peter 2.5 says about Noah. It says, and God punished the world long ago when he brought a flood to the world that was full of people who were against him. But God saved Noah, who preached about being right with God and seven other people with him. Noah preached about being right with God. Some of your translations call Noah the preacher of righteousness. So somehow, someway in the scriptures, Noah is preaching. And yet we read about him at 500 years old. We don't know what he preached, what he talked about, how he said... He evidently was telling people to walk with God, but he's recorded in the gospel as a preacher of righteousness. He preaches, if we do our calculation right, for maybe 100 years while building the ark, and not one convert. That's a rough preaching crowd, isn't it? Not one convert. Not one neighbor said, you know, I've been watching your life, and and I'd really like to tell me what you guys are doing. Not one convert, but he kept preaching. He was the preacher of righteousness. He kept preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. You know, we see in Jesus' ministry, even in the upper room, as he's ready, there's only 120, and he ministered to thousands upon thousands of people. But we don't read where Noah was discontent. His family evidently was with him. It would almost be like if you came to church today and you were the only one here, but you weren't the only one here. You were the only one in the world that went to church today. The only one. You, it was you. That was it. Would you be encouraged? Boy, I can sit wherever I want today. <laughs> All right. I go to any church I want to go. In the world, there's plenty of room. No converts. But even yesterday morning and I was reading through this. Noah and his family were spared. You know, Joshua said something very powerful in Joshua 24, 15. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I even wonder if that was the case with Noah, that Noah was making sure that his household. You know, we start in our households. Our most difficult testimony sometimes are amongst the people we live with. You know why? Because they see every little thing about us, don't they? I told you a story a couple months ago, and my family continues to do it. We have a trash can. It's just like the ones that are out in our courtyard. And when they put the trash in, when it's time to take it out, they don't take it out. You know what they do? They push it down. And I think they get chairs, and they stand on it and pack it down in there. Um you know, they think it's a trash compactor. And I explained the story, it was one morning and it was so full and I pulled it out and I was fighting with the trash can and I was swinging it around and all of a sudden things fell off the wall and I'm bleeding and trash is all over our entire kitchen and they're upset that I'm making so much noise in the morning as I'm bleeding all over the place. So I had determined this year that I wasn't going to let those things get to, get to me. And sure enough, the other day I go in there and it's, it's I'm sure they took my son and he was jumping on it, jumping on it, jumping on it, <laughs> packing it in there, packing it in there, and then putting dog poop on top of it just to make sure that I would take it out. And I couldn't I lifted the bag out and it, and it was going to start all over again with swinging and finding out, you know what? I took the whole trash can and I threw it in the trash dumpster. And I decided in my house, for me and my house, we're not even going to have a trash can anymore. I'm going to make you guys take your trash out outside. Right? As for me and my house, we will not have a trash can. Because you keep packing it in, packing it in, packing it in. And I'm not going to let you make me stumble this year. Did I not throw it out? <laughs> Noah just didn't believe God. He believed God to do what God told him to do. It's one thing to believe God. It's another thing when God tells you to do something huge to the scale that Noah is going to be asked to do. To go ahead and take the steps to do so. In fact, faith requires us to obey. To be obedient. Faith requires. Faith must obey. Faith acts and faith does something in view of the future. It requires us to move. It requires us to do something. It requires us to walk with God, to trust God, to trust him at what he said. When we obey and we follow the Lord, even when we don't understand everything, we follow what he tells us to do because... Living that way will be evident. So here's what Noah's asked to do. In fact, I want to read it out of the the Living Bible. Here's what God says to him. Make a boat from resinous wood. In fact, most of your Bible translations are going to say gopher wood. Sealing it with tar and construct decks and stalls throughout the ship. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide. 45 feet high, construct a skylight all the way around the ship, 18 inches below the roof, make three decks inside the boat, a bottom, middle, and upper deck, and put a door in the side. Now, if you heard that, what would you think? Okay, um, can you say that again, God? 450, you know, 450 feet is one and a half football fields. The width of it. Remember, this isn't Noah and son's shipbuilding company. It's, it's nothing like that. This is something the Lord's asking them to do. In fact, in our, the translated word is go for wood. He's got to find a certain wood. He's got to pitch it such a way. And yet what God tells them to do is everybody's going to die except your family. We're going to gather two of every kind of animal. We're going to put it on there. And then you're also going to be responsible for feeding all of them. Wouldn't you almost think, did I hear that right? Did I hear that right? But Noah sets off to do what God said to do, building this thing. Now, according to the Bible, it looks like that it took 100 years or so to build this. No power tools, right? No YouTube videos. No of these other how-tos. They were building it as God said to build it. And what evidence... Did Noah have to go on with what God instructed him to do? He went on with the evidence that he walked with God. that if God told me to do this, God has a plan and I'm going to follow that plan. In fact, in Genesis 6:22 it says this, Noah did this and did all that God commanded him. In Genesis chapter seven verse 6 it says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters, upon the earth think about this the possibility of a hundred years think of your entire lifetime doing one thing that god asked you to do but that's what faith does faith calls us to action calls us to respond that's why he's mentioned in hebrews eleven seven by faith noah honey are you going to work on the ark today again of course right I'm not done yet Going to do what God says to you. Are you really going to finish? Is that just a little hobby? Now remember this. Noah's 500 miles from the nearest ocean. How are you going to get that thing down to the ocean? Well, God has a different plan. In fact, if you read in your Bibles, there was something that took place that didn't take place before once everybody got on. Not only did floodwaters come up from the earth, but it rained for one of the first times ever. And it rained, and it flooded, and it rained, and it flooded, and it rained, and it flooded. And the only thing that was spared were those that were on the ark. If you read your Bibles a little bit more, you'll read that they were in this ark for over five months. Right? A floating barge. This isn't a sail ship. It's not a cruise ship. There's not a cruise director with activity afternoon. This is they're floating and they're having to trust that God has a plan. Let me ask you today, do you trust that God has a plan? Can you trust him if we can read that he can use Noah and that he'll trust God for a plan for his family and for every living thing? Can we trust him for those very details of our life? You know, if you read through with Noah, in fact, I want to mention two things before we go on. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 29, I encourage you, every time you read Genesis and you read this, that you underline it, make a note. Noah built an altar to the Lord. The day that they got off the ark, the very first thing that he did was he took time and he worshipped the Lord. We read that in the life of Abram that he takes time he builds an altar before the Lord. Noah is not the final answer, though. You know, if you read on at the end of Noah's life, Noah is not God's final answer. Jesus is God's final answer. You know, Noah's story goes a little sideways, kind of a little similar to Adam. He gets drunk and somehow takes his clothes off in his tent. And the kids have to back up with a blanket to cover their dad. And he's so upset and drunk that he begins to curse out against the kids. And kids start fighting against one another. And you think, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. There's all of this promise that God had. Now the whole story goes sideways. Why does that go sideways? Because redemption wasn't found in Noah. The redemption of mankind isn't found in the rainbow. The redemption of mankind is... Only found through Jesus Christ. He is the Redeemer. They're always pointing, they're pointing to rede- the Redeemer. Remember, the Bible doesn't say that Noah was sinless. It says he was blameless. He walked with God, probably checking his heart. So I wanted to read here because very interesting, a couple things. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. Listen to what God says. In fact, this is out of the English Standard Translation. Some of your Bible translations will say rainbow. But they use the word bow, which is the actual Hebrew word. In fact, when the bow is in the clouds, listen to what God says. I will see it. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is in the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh on the earth. Notice what God says. When the rainbow's in the clouds, he doesn't say, oh yeah, you're going to see it, remember. What does God say? I'll see it. I'll remember my covenant. I'll remember my promise. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, you know, we were talking a, a while back and you said you would do this. And have you ever said, I never said that. Oh yeah, you did. Have You ever had anybody say that? No, 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 I think I said it this way. No, you didn't say it that way. Yeah, I did, I said it that way. You ever done that before? And then you say, you know, next time I'm gonna record our conversation. We're gonna bring in a mediator and we're gonna talk about the trash can to make sure that everybody's on board with what we have to say. But God says, when you see a rainbow, I'll see it. And I'll remember my covenant. I'll remember the promise that I I said. In fact, the Hebrew word rainbow that we read in there is the word bow. And it's exactly what you think. It's a bow of like a bow and arrow. But it's it's for war or a hunting arrow. So God, looking at the rainbow, is going to take away his weapon of war on mankind. And he's going to stand with his covenant that he makes that day with Noah that he will never flood the earth ever again because Noah was found righteous and walked with God. In fact, I read this quote from Sally Lode Jones. God's war bow was not pointing down at his people. It was pointing up into the heart of heaven. God's war bow was not pointing down at his people. It was pointing up into the heart of heaven because God is a covenant promise keeping God. I will will see that rainbow. You know, as I read on, it's interesting what God asks Noah to do. In building this ark, he's required to build a door. And this door is where they're all going to enter in along with the animals. But as you read the Bible, what we read in Genesis 7, 16, it says, once they finally got in, who closed the door? God did. God closed the door. Jesus says something very interesting in John chapter 10, verse 9. He says, I'm the door. I'm the door. And I want to let the sheep in. I want to let them in. I have come to be that door. So here God gives Noah instructions to construct a door that Jesus later will refer to himself as a door. In fact, what Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, we know this. Anybody that got in on the ark made it. Anybody that didn't get in on the ark didn't make it. Did Noah probably give other people an opportunity to follow? Probably the preacher of righteousness, but nobody wanted to follow. In fact, one of the verses I skipped was 2 Peter 3 3 and 6. Listen to what Peter says. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and through water by the word of God. And that by the means, these, the world and Let me say it again. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Peter's going to write this down and say, hey, in our day, there's people that are saying, when is he coming? Uh, I don't want to listen to that. I'll I'll wait until I kind of see a sign. And when I see a sign, then maybe I'll listen. Evidently, they weren't listening to the preacher of righteousness that day but Jesus lets, lets us know i'm the door i'm the door i want them all to come in in fact i love that scripture that we read in timothy where it says god god is not slow he is forever wanting people to repent he's giving them time he's allowing their hearts to change he's giving them time We have a God that gives time, but like we see in this time, there's an end. And then as I was reading through the windows that were constructed, it's actually the Hebrew word for skylight. So when the ark is built, Noah builds in these skylights as God has commanded. That makes a little more sense because if you could see out windows, why do you let a raven out one day and you let a dove out another time? You'd look down and you'd say, well, there's still water. He's got skylights, probably for ventilation. I mean, he got all those animals on there. He needs some type of ventilation probably. But he can only see up. He can't see out and down. Obviously, if you look out and it's water, that's discouraging. Water upon water upon water. But if all you can do is look up, and then when God commands you to do something, you follow what he said to do. And I was reading that, I went back, and I thought... That is why we are to look to Jesus in everything. doesn't matter what happens on the outside or what we look at. We're to look to him. He is the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that despised the shame. We're to look to him. You know, and and I set this one aside. Many times I have to say, all right, what does the Bible say? And then how do I interpret it? I interpreted it as Noah couldn't look out At the waters, he could only look up. Let me encourage you this year. Don't look out at the waters. Don't look out looking for the dry land. When is this thing going to settle? Take your time and be focused in looking where? Up. Be focused in looking up. Be focused in looking to Jesus. As you read these scriptures, know this: that they're placed in her to instruct you this year. To show you the way to walk. To have faith to follow when God says to do something. You know, and I love what ends up happening with Noah. You know, Jesus says these words, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Noah gets the credit for walking with God, but God uses him to start over with his family. No, it was a big deal back in that way. He was the one that started over and started over right with an altar before the Lord, trusting in this God that took care of him and his family. And would you let that be also something that you pray about this year? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Lord, you tell us in here that these were written to instruct us that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Lord, I pray for all of us today in the the words that you give us this year, Lord, that we would have faith to obey what you tell us to do. Lord, and I pray for all of our families. Lord, when we think of our our families, our extended families, that we would say over our families this year, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. With every head bowed and your eye closed, if you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. He's the one the scripture talks about. He's knocking on the door of your heart. God is longing to bring you into his family through Jesus. In fact, I would like all of us to pray this prayer. Pray this after me. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And I believe that he died for me. I now accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with a song of worship. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to pray with you at the end of service. Most important thing that we read over and over and over in the scripture is how patient God is trying to work to get to our hearts. Let's worship before we close today. Amen. You know what's great with the Bible? There were other men and women that were challenged just like you. Didn't have scriptures to refer to. Walked with God, didn't have scriptures. Didn't know about Jesus, heard of a promise of a Messiah, but didn't know there was a Jesus to walk with us. Didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit that was going to be put on the inside of you that could lead and guide you and speak to your heart and direct you. Think about all of those benefits. So when we read this in God, here's the great thing too. God refers many times in the scripture that you and I were created in his likeness. We don't know exactly what that means. And I would never say, you know, I I just look just like God, don't I? You would never say that. You'd, You'd stand back and you'd think lightning or something would strike. But you were made in his likeness, in his image. That's why he has such value for people. That's why when he looked down and did what he did, his most precious resource was the people that were created through him. That was his heart. And that when we look at the years upon years upon years, we see that he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to have that opportunity. And that's why when we read Luke chapter 10 too, he says, make sure you have your eyes on the harvest. Take those opportunities when you're in the grocery store and you're in a hurry and the line's long and there's no other lines open. Maybe he's put you into that line for a reason. Maybe you're not supposed to go through the quick checkout. Maybe because you forgot something you had to go back. Maybe he had a reason for doing that. Maybe there's somebody this week that if you take a minute and have your eyes on the harvest, you'll have an opportunity to share something that will be life-impacting and eternal, a seed planted. That's the thing we believe and trust. So as you go this week, You're working for the Lord's harvest. It's his tools. It's his field. It's his crop. But you know what? He needs you. But look at your neighbor and tell him, he's going to need you this week. You better be ready, right? Get some sleep tonight. You're buying me lunch today. No, (laughs) right? But God bless you. Have a great day. And remember, we have our kids' ministry, right? uh, Team meeting right after service today. God bless you.